You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is a huge endeavor to mm-hmm. take on Alphaba. So my life really revolved around that. So I didn't really have much of a life. I live so out loud now because of Lola. There's a confidence that she has infused in me that I can't get rid of. Welcome to season three of the podcast. I'm Patrick Oliver-Jones. Welcome back from, I hope you had a great summer. Mine was uh, was really good, really eventful. Got to perform in a couple of shows, both uh, one was Kinky Boots, the other was Bridges of Madison County, and now I am on Norwegian Cruise Line performing Footloose. So it's been a uh, it's been a busy summer, uh, and now it continues to be busy and will be busy for most of this season. So season three is going to be some of what you've heard before as far as having great guests and talking about their own struggles and successes, but it's also going to feature me talking about being on a cruise ship and life in this particular area of the performing arts. Sometimes cruise ships get, uh, you know, maybe a bad rap. It's not Broadway. It's not regional theater. But I'm here to tell you that rehearsal process is pretty much the same. The working on the music, the working on the characters. So I will be sharing some of that over the coming months as I'm on board. But for today, let's get started with the very first episode of the season. Caroline and Jay are two people that I worked with this past summer at Kinky Boots at the Muni in St. Louis. And Caroline and I have worked before doing Avita, the Avita National Tour. She was Mrs. Ava Perone herself. And Jay is someone that I just met doing Kinky Boots. But as it turns out, he also was a singer on Norwegian Cruise Line, so we share that in common. But both of them are absolutely, they're magnetic on stage. You can't help but watch them and listen to them. Their performances are absolutely riveting. And I was so grateful whenever they sat down and joined me for this interview. Stay tuned after the interview, and I'll tell you a little more about season three and some of the great things that are in store for Why I'll Never Make It. And now here's part one of my sit-down conversation with Caroline Bowman and Jay Harrison G. Caroline and Jay, thank you so much for joining me here on the season three opener. 
Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thank you for having us. So excited to be here. Now, I have two divas in the house because both of you, <laughs> you've done Lola. Yeah. And you have been Ava Peron. You're about to go into Frozen. Mm-hmm. And so what is it like portraying these these powerful figures? You want to take this one? Uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's definitely been, for myself, it's been life-changing in every way. Um, it's helped build my relationship with my family and my father, who's a pastor in North Carolina. And so it's helped change his mind and his ideals of a lot of things, but also being able to reach a lot of audiences through such a dynamic character and mm-hmm. to, as I like to say, I've used the show as therapy for myself and like gotten a lot of mess out. And in that, I've been able to be effective and and change hearts and minds around the world, which has been Unreal. Hmm. Uh, He's so good. He's like, he is is made for this role. And I can't wait to see how many other roles, but this role is like, I've never seen Lola done like this. No, no, no. Nobody has. It it was definitely a treat for me because I, I had seen the show in Toronto. So that was really my only experience with Kinky Boots. I never saw it on Broadway, Mm. but Jay, you you definitely give a little extra. Yeah, that, that is quite. quite well, you magical. bring something really, really special to it Absolutely. that nobody else does. But you also uh, bring a, a few special things. You know, we did a Vita together. Yeah. So I mean, your your Ava Perón was a joy to hear every night as well. That was really fun, and I got, and I actually was pr- pretty young when I did that. Right. So it was that was a shock when I got that role because I was in the kink um, ensemble of Kinky Boots, and auditioning, but and. When I got the audition for Evita, I was like, could this happen? And then I kept getting called back, and I was like, oh, my gosh, are they really considering a 25-year-old to go play Evita? Because what was that audition process like for you? Because you got called back several times. Oh, yeah. I think I went in nine times. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. And it was while we were in previews for Kinky Boots, I was in auditions for um, Evita in February, and then I didn't get the role until May. So So we were... Opening a show, my very first show on Broadway, yeah. or an original Broadway cast, and then I was doing preparing my Ava Peron sides, like, <laughs> like secretly in the corner. I was like practicing my bat maz because I, I knew I had to do like that crazy dance sequence. I'm like right. doing my splits in the corner, and people were like, "Caroline, you don't have to do that in Kinky Boots. What are you doing? <laughs> Nothing." And I would run off and go take um, Broadway Dance Center classes, like after we finished rehearsal for the day, or like after we finished tech. I would, or like on my dinner break, Mm -hmm. because I was like, oh, I need to go work on my dance, and I was like so splitting my focus. Because if you haven't seen, especially this revival, Buenos Aires is no joke from Mm -hmm. beginning to end. It's like you're, you're using the entire stage, and everyone is going, and especially you in the front. I mean, you. You know, as a non-dancer, I hate not having someone in front of me. <laughs> so, so yeah, you're out front and center, so you got to know it. And I'm and the do only it. one singing. It was like I never, right? I That's never true. thought about yeah. that. Like the first big number of Evita is only Ava Peron singing, but everyone is on stage dancing. Oh, wow! But it only it's only I I'm the only that. one who you're has right. to. Like... There's like 25 people on stage, but only one of them is singing. 100. And everyone's dancing to what she's singing. Oh, everyone's doing wow. the same dance moves, but nobody's helping me oh my God. so i would do for a vita this is skipping ahead but when i was practicing for buenos aires i would do we would do rehearsal all day and then i would go home and go on a run and do interval sprints and sing what's new 
Buenos Aires while I'm like sprinting. Yeah, because you have to build up that stamina. Uh, wow. Yeah, wow. because that, that's a whole. Uh, uh, do you have the same kind of like physical workout in order to do Lola? Honestly, no. Well, my training was a little different because I was a drag queen in real life oh, before yeah. doing that's, the that's show. That's right. So you came to Lola already kind of having that in your back that pocket. That experience. Yeah. And like, it was very funny. A lot of times when I was swinging the show and I had to swing the different angels and the tricks and the jump splits and things, um, there was always a special spot where the jump split angel would stretch and do the thing on tour. And our stage manager would like... She cleared the area. She's like, do you need to practice and stretch? And I was like, no, I'm good. I'll just do it on stage. And she, and it stressed her out that I wasn't in the How ring. old were you? 25. Yeah, okay. 25, 26. <laughs> and so she was like worried. And I just went on. And everyone was so gagged at the fact that I had done the jump split. And I was like, you all hired a drag queen to play a drag queen. What do you expect? <laughs> I do this for I've been a living. Doing it for <laughs> like, I do this off this stage and on like smaller stages. It's like I'm used to it. So like, yeah, different training. So I guess, yeah. Because Lola is a very physical, physical track. No matter what, you have to kind of give 100%. There's no marking no, Lola. No, Mm-mm. it's more draining to like try to pull back. and, and, and I would think so. Yeah. Did, did like, you find that as well for Avita? I'm like, well, I'm not going to show up at work if I'm not going to give you exactly. everything I have. Yeah. Even if it's not very good, <laughs> I'm still going to give you everything I have that day because it's like, why, why be there? It's just yeah. that, that's not the way I operate is definitely not the way you operate. Absolutely. And then you're also leading the company. So by example, people take, you're responsible for the energy, quite yeah. frankly. And so if your team mem- teammates see that you're not going to give it all, they're not definitely not going to give it all, and the show suffers. So yeah. it's- Do you see Lola as a leader of the company as well? Absolutely. And that was one of the things Billy Porter actually said to me um, going into taking over the role he was like, understand that you are responsible for the morale of the company. Like, you mm. are a leader. And and especially, specifically, of the Angels. Like, she's the leader of the pack, in a sense. And my Lola, specifically, I always said, well, I used to be one of the girls. This is just her moment to shine. Um, oh, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, and I really was one of the girls before. So it's like, I it is a company of us. It is an ensemble of us. And the girls would say to me on tour a lot... They were like, we. It's different when you're not here because, like, we can be full out because we know you're going to come work full out. So, in that leadership role, how does that affect both your performance, but then also how you interact off stage? Um, it just makes you want to be a the best you you can be. It's one of those things I had to have a conversation with my makeup artist when I came to Broadway because she took a little longer to do my makeup than I was used to getting done because. I was used to getting it done in 30, 35, 40 minutes and being able to walk around the theater and like touch base with people. And because if I didn't see you on stage, I didn't see you at all. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And that's and I didn't special. like that. And like having having a real human interaction before you're going to go play characters. Yeah. It, I mean, that makes I feel like it makes your performance better because you're like, cool, I'm connected to you. Now let's go do this thing that our job. Let's go do our job. Yeah. I used to try to do that when I was Alphaba, which is hard to do because the makeup takes a long time. And if I didn't do that, I would not see people. And then the first, the only thing that happens is everybody hates you. Mm-hmm. So, so not <laughs> right. only am yeah. I like not getting any actual love from a human, I'm getting hatred <laughs> thrown at me. So that that was a lot. I, it was important to me to to do 
similar to what Jay always did at Kinky Boots is like go out and like give people a hug and say, all right, let's do this, hands in or something, you know, whatever. That was actually Um, one of my favorite memories of you on the Evita tour is that I can't remember if it was before the start of the show or maybe an intermission, but you would come onto the stage, you know, because we all have to be set on stage and you're like kicking and like, go, let's go guys, let's do this. You were like a cheerleader for us. And and it really was infectious, your positive, upbeat energy. Well, the thing is too is... I knew what I had to go through for the next two hours. So I'm like, might as well, like, if I don't have my energy up at that point, I'm a, I'm a goner. Yeah. So it's like, mm. it makes it easier to like be like, okay, 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 let's do it. <laughs> like nobody ever under, and, and it's so funny because I had, there was a couple of people who'd be like, how do you always have this much energy? And I'm like, I have to have this much yeah, energy. It's not a choice. That was a gift too because I was in the opening number but hidden mm-hmm. in Avita. So that was like I ha- I had to be out there. So that was – I had to be ready by places, which was nice because I could go and say hey to everybody and, and be, give that whatever energy I had today. Oh, absolutely. It was funny to me one of the first times I did it at the Al Hirschfeld and like went over because Lola and Charlie – are literally on stage right and we're the only dressing rooms over there and mm-hmm. everyone else is in the left so far away tower. they're a city block away <laughs> and i went over to the other side after i got my makeup done and people were like what are you doing over here <laughs> and i was like i'm just coming to say hi and they were like oh lola's don't come over here you're the first one to do it and yeah, i was yeah. like oh it it shocked people like oh, they were like this is weird this is weird and i was like well get used to it just even to come over and say how was your day today I mean, and it and it means a lot because you have we all know what you have to go out and do, and so uh, like everybody else in the cast that is that follows you is like, oh wow, the lead of my show appreciates me, and I pre- and we all appreciate you, and we wouldn't no there would be no judgment if you didn't do that. Yeah, it was just a mutual. But love. it was like, yeah, it, it was be, just so great. It really it is just, an interesting dynamic between that because because you bring up like. Whoever it is, and and really whether you're doing a regional show, Broadway show, if the lead, the the, the top people who, you know, we're all on stage, we're all in this journey together, but there's something about the leads interacting and and you know asking how your day was or just connecting with you in some way one of the the ladies uh adina alexander on broadway i turned to her during everybody say yeah one day and gave her a high five and said oh that stitching was gorgeous on the boots and she's like came to me off stage and was like no one has ever commented and like to be so specific in a moment that like doesn't like it wasn't mic'd it wasn't a thing she's like thank you and like that's you're respecting her character she developed and like giving Hmm. and improving with her and and that's it's like we're telling a story and we're doing a show and we're living in this world might as well flesh it out and like give it all to each other Mm -hmm. I love that yeah I love that now you had mentioned that Lola was life-changing for you or, or helped you in what way did it affect you personally i i live so out loud now because of lola more so um i just I, there's a confidence that she has infused in me that i can't get rid of and it really just allows me to to be myself and to be a light to other people and I, it's something i've lived my life a lot of apologizing for who I was Hmm. and I didn't realize I was doing it and once I had that realization it was like well I can't go back Um, and I will never forget reading the breakdown for Lola years ago and being like this seems right because it was like 
you know, looking for star actor, this, that, and the other, cannot be a wallflower, you know, be bold and, and all mm-hmm. of these things. And I was like, well, I feel like that's me. And it sounds like, but at the time I just, I still wasn't giving all of me genuinely. I would apologize for making bold choices or just kind of do enough to get by. And now it's like, you're just you. Yeah. So, so was, was the, the, the drag being in Lola, was that a way to put on a mask? You know, I can be strong in this area. And it's, it's why I started doing drag to begin with okay. outside of the show. It was a way for me to have complete creative control over this being and to be able to express myself and to affect people. Um, I used to have my own show at New World Stages. Uh, hmm. And every week it was called The Crystal Fix. Everything I do in life, I try to do with intention and purpose. And so every show I did... I wanted the audience to walk away with something. There was a theme, a through line, and I wanted them to understand life or something in a different way. Now it's like, as I effectively do things for other people, it's like I'm also kind of ministering to myself and like encouraging myself through the art. And now it's just like, yeah, it all like, it's so fluid now. Right. And apart also, my drag used to be so separate. I had separate accounts for it because my family didn't know I did Hmm. it. Oh, right. And now it's just like, it's, it's all, all there. It's here. This is just me. Like, get into it. So before you, you were you were Jay, and then Crystal was this other entity, this other being that you had, you felt powerful in. Yeah. But eventually, that power that you had as Crystal came into your own life. Yeah. That's amazing. And That's so and cool. Crystal informed Lola, and Lola informed Crystal, and Jay just got like like it's the like baby of it all. <laughs> yeah. Giving birth to Jay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And did you find the same with Alphaba? Did that give you a certain level of, of of power, certainly on stage, but then did it affect you as a performer as well? You know, Alphaba in particular. I mean, that was like my dream mm-hmm. to play Alphaba, and. Um, you know, as long as I can remember, I, I mean, I, when I was 16 and, um, I went for my sweet 16 birthday, it was my birthday present to go with like all my family. And we went and saw wicked, but by that point that was 2004 and I had already g- had memorized the album on Christmas morning. I laid down on the floor and like shut my eyes and listened to the whole album and was like, I'm going to do this and wanted it. So that was like kind of mind blowing, I think, and and it was crazy, but it, because it it is it is a huge endeavor <laughs> to mm-hmm. take on Alphaba, and it was um, so my life really revolved around that. So I didn't really have much of a life to like once you became Alphaba. Yeah. yeah, and I do. I actually think in a honestly in a it kind of affected my life in a negative way. And mm. like, I wasn't me. Um, well, you had to take care of yourself so much so that Alpha could role. be so strong. So I didn't really have, I kind of lost Caroline a little bit mm. and had to find her again after that journey was over. And looking back, I'm so grateful. And like, it was, I'm proud and I'm, I'm happy to have had that chapter and and I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna ever. I'm not gonna be like a recurring alphabet though. Like it would be like. There's so many people that can right. do that a lot, and I, I'm just happy it happened. And right. but that I don't. It. I think now it. I have found confidence in the fact that I got to do that, and I'm a part of it's a small part of the wicked legacy, um, and it's a powerful 
role to do. Absolutely. So yeah, it, it has affected my confidence in what I have to offer as a performer now. But I had to rebuild to get there. I think. Wow. Yeah. Now, now you spoke to the fact that. You, you saw Wicked when you were 16. So mm-hmm. obviously you had been uh, performing before then. Did both of you come? How did you both come to the stage and to theater? Well, my mom is an actor as well. And so I grew up watching her on stage. And um, I, I mean, I would they wouldn't get a babysitter. I would go and watch her at every single performance. Mm-hmm. I remember going and watching her in Godspell. And sitting in this, like, it was a community theater in Laurel, Maryland, Laurel Community Theater. And that's the first theater I started performing at. And I would sit in and this. And how old were you at this point? I mean, six, maybe? Young. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what was interesting is I saw my, my, I lost my sister at a very young age. I was three and she was six. And so I think I saw my mom my mom was finding joy again through theater. And so as a young wow. kid, I saw her be happy again. And I don't, and I, this is something that I've like discovered in my adult life, I think. <laughs> but like as a kid, it probably, I think it affected me deeply. And so I saw like theater sparking joy. Well, theater is a type of therapy. Absolutely. I think anyone who's done it realizes And my that. mom had done it and sings and, and, did it all and so yeah i was it was like something i wanted to do too with her and so that was and so what was your first time on stage Ooh, i think i might have done a it was like my very first production was like a christmas carol and i was a little caroler right yeah and uh, yeah yeah i I think we've all done a version of christmas carol somewhere (laughs) along the way oh yeah. yeah and so how about you what was your first time singing or on stage well i i always say i came i came out of my mother singing i felt like <laughs> um, and i grew up in church and that's where like the singing came from mm. for me that um uh and i will never forget singing with like the children's choir at church and like leading songs and affecting audience like even the congregation and being like oh there's there's a power I have that, like, I do this and people respond. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but it wasn't until high school that I was like, I want to do this. Until then, I was gonna be my mom wanted me to be the next Johnny Cochran. She's like, you like to argue with people, like, go be a lawyer. <laughs> my dad has a PhD in administration and a master's in history. He's like, go wow, get a degree so and like do something in math and science, be secure. And I was yeah. gonna go do that for them. And then in high school, I was in speech and debate, and I wrote an original oratory piece called Cookie Cutter Masquerade. And it was like, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't hide this thing inside of me that I need to, like, let out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, yeah, I'm going to go study musical theater. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. My first, like, production that I did was 10th grade, and I was the Tin Man in The Wiz. Mm. Oh, very cool. And The Wiz is like my favorite movie. Oh, it's so movie. good. It is such I a bet you're amazing. I wanted to be the Scarecrow, but yeah. there was this other guy who looked much like Michael the Jackson. The like, song oh, is the best one. And I made my own costume. It was everything. <laughs> so you were starting drag then. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was everything. That's, that's right, because that's full beat makeup as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. To be the Tin Man. And I didn't know how to tap. But I had old Stacey Adams dress shoes that had like wooden soles, so they like uh-huh. make, so I spray painted them silver and like made a little shuffle step. And after the show, my brother was like, 
dude, when did you learn to tap? I was like, I'm good at what I do. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. You fake it till you make it. Yeah, exactly. Still doing that. Yeah, still faking it. Still faking it. Right, right, yeah. So, because it is so interesting how, how we all get started because you had mentioned about that, that power, that connection that you see with an audience. Yeah. And is that something that even now both of you see in, in whatever roles or whatever shows that you go into? You hope your your intention is that you can affect people and that they will feel your passion for what you do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and in turn are affected and they just see life differently or they have a therapy moment for themselves and kind of open their eyes and just escape from reality for themselves. Um, and that's always the intention as an artist that your art reaches people. So, I do feel like there's in some way roles kind of come to you too like there's only so much you can push for a role if you're not if it's not meant for you it's not and so I feel like in any role you can find a connection a deep connection with it uh, you know you had mentioned about roles that coming to you and some don't are there auditions or particular shows that you've gone out for that didn't happen that you oh yeah could have tons yeah what, I mean, what, what would be like one, one memorable one that you just were like, come on, why didn't that happen? You know what? Let's just go for it. I really, really wanted Pretty Woman. I really, okay. I thought I was perfect for mm-hmm. Vivian. Like I was like, this is my role. So that was a little sad. Yeah. Um, and I, I, yeah, I just was like, I was thinking about that for when a, from when they made an announcement like years ago. And I was like, this, I'm like, so this type mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never like and but you know and I think as we get older it's it's harder because we're actually going in for more appropriate things mm-hmm. like we're like now we're falling into what our type is and so it's like oh oh it's more it's it's a little sad that I didn't get that because I feel I feel more right for the things I'm actually going in for and I'm and I'm more confident in saying no to things that I don't connect with Instead of being young and being like, yes, I'll go in for everything. I'll do, I'll do it all. I remember those days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did a regional production of The Color Purple, and I was like, I should be Harpo. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't happen. Yeah. What, yeah. what did you end up doing? I was in the ensemble, okay. and it was fine. It was a great experience. And It's such a – talk about a powerful show. That's yeah. A, that's a really great one. And we had a great time, and one of my best friends was playing uh, Sophia, and so we were. I was really like, come on, let me be Harpo. Like, it, was a, it would be a dream for both of us, and it was just like – it didn't happen. It was like, fine. I usually give myself – I say, I can mourn this for a day. Mm-hmm. I give myself 24 hours to be like, I'm upset about whatever, if I really worked really hard on a role and, and ended up getting bad feedback or didn't get it, and I'll, I'll mourn it for a day, and then I got to wake up the next day and be like, okay, we're, we can't, we're not, yeah. I'm not going to drag my feet anymore about that. So I'm, yeah, I allow really the sadness, and then I move on. Yeah. Move on. Because it really is, all, yeah, it really is all about on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you, you can't take that baggage with you. Absolutely not. it weighs you down. 100%. And then, yeah, and then you can't get to the next level that you need to be and should be. And then every audition, you're just more and more weighed down. Yeah. And it's, and then you, and then you're desperate, and then they cannot give you the job. When you walk into a room and you're desperate, you can't, you, they can't give it to you. Yeah. Because yeah. they smell it. <laughs> Everybody in the room smells yeah. it and they're like, yeah. sorry, girl. Sorry, boy. Yeah. It's not yours. Yes, it really is a fine line between those roles that 
are perfect for you that you connect with, you know, like you had a, a special connection to Lola yeah. in particular, the, those roles that you connect with and showing that and showcasing your, how you can own the role, but then not coming across as like, I need this. I want this. This is mine. I'm mm-hmm. dead. Yeah. It's really hard. It's a really hard line. Yeah. I'd still, I'm figuring it out. I mean, I'm, I don't have it figured out. No, I haven't figured it out either. Cause I, I auditioned recently for fun home. I had just done the role of oh, Bruce cool. and I auditioned perfect. for it again. But I think I may have had a little bit. I, I, I wasn't desperate for the role. I just knew I was right for it. But I think I just kind of overshot myself mm. and just really gave that little extra too much mm. in the room. It's yeah. like, see, want me, use me, hire me. Yeah. yeah. I think there was a little bit too much of that. So, yeah, I, I think we all have our moments. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. When did you. This may seem like a conceited question, but I, I'm curious as to the journey of you discovering that you had this talent, that you had this gift, and that you wanted to to share it on stage. You wanted to be a performer. My mother always raised my brother and I to understand we were given gifts that weren't about us. So it's like I knew I could sing, and I knew that dance came naturally, and that there were like it was something I loved. And again, I sing and dance, and people respond. Um, and it was definitely, like I said, a journey that it wasn't until high school that I was confident in saying, oh, I can go do something and be something in this world, in this field. Um, and I like, I cherish that for my mother more than anything, uh, knowing that like this gift isn't about me. It's not, it's not something that I have to be overly confident or conceited about. It's just like, be strong in knowing that like this is something is special and and respect what you have and only allow people in your life to respect the gift you have. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's hmm. so important of surrounding ourselves with those kind of people. Yeah. yeah. How about for you, Caroline? Um I mean, I think when I started defending the my choice to want to do this is when I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm going to fight for this. And why I did want you feel it. like you had to defend Well, I, I like my grandmother. Um, I remember, I remember my grandmother, I think it was like my sophomore year of high school. I had decided I was like, I'm going to school for this. I want to go to a musical theater school. Like I was very direct in what I wanted. Um, and my grandmother pulled me aside at a family party I had like there was karaoke or something and they all wanted me to sing and I sang and then she pulled me aside and she goes, are you sure this is what you want to do? Like she and my dad's side of the family is a little bit more practical and my mom's side is like, go for it. Why not? Like life is short. Like just like go do what you want. And my dad for sure came around. <laughs> um, but my, my grandmother was like, are you sure? And she was the only one in my fa- family who had like asked me that question. And I, I was like, Uni, yeah, I do. I really want to do this. And I remember just being, f- it was probably a naive confidence that I had in myself for sure. Cause I, think I didn't, we all start there. For sure. Point. I didn't know. I just dreamed about yeah. wanting yeah. it and I wanted to try and I think I might have even said to her, like, what, what's the worst thing that could happen? I have to try because I'll be mad if I don't. I'll be mad at myself if I don't try. But um, And then I think my dad, I think it was by senior year of high school, he came to see me in, in a high school musical. And he was like, you're pretty good at this, aren't you? You're pretty good <laughs> at this. Okay, yeah. Like, he saw it. He, like, finally saw me in a show and was like, okay. Yeah, she's, like, better 
than everybody else. <laughs> and sometimes you have, yeah, you have to like show them. Like, yeah. Because my dad was very, again, he wanted me to do something very mainstream, go right. be it's safe. office kind of thing. And yeah. I was asking him for the application fee for school. And I I felt like it was a two-day conference. Like I went into his bedroom and like cried my face out and tried to put it in words for him to understand that it was something I had dealt with and I wasn't making this choice lightly. Hmm. And he just like wouldn't give me this check and like wouldn't get and he finally wrote it. And my dad is me and my brother joked often that he was like Joe Jackson and just like so tough. And everything just like we had to prove everything to hmm. him. And I took that check and I literally waved it in his face and I was like, You won't regret this. Hmm. And now he like to this day he'll be like, Well, I got mud on my face, but it smells good. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just it wasn't until he like came and saw me do a cruise ship gig and was like, Oh, it's like okay, you're good at this, and it's like why? Why is it taking you so long? I've been doing this my entire life. My dad's the same way. My dad is like he still comes to see me in shows, and he's like, "Dang, I can't believe that you're up there!" Like, and then like like especially Wicked, like he would sit when I when I was the understudy for Alphaba, and he came like rushed up from Maryland to mm-hmm. come see me. Um, he was like. I was just looking around and everybody's watching you. <laughs> like, like he like cannot believe that yeah. all the audience yeah. is watching his daughter. <laughs> there is like, something about that parental pride of having other people appreciate what their children do. Yeah. And, sure. and, and I think that I think maybe for your dad, that was part of it is to it. Once he saw other people were appreciating, then it's like, Oh, oh then, yeah. then, then I, I can, I can appreciate this too. And I know that you can make it. Doing and this. he started to see that. At my graduation from AMDA, uh, my teachers that day, he came to me later and my mom told me um, that my teachers had gone to him and was like, you've raised such a like a beautiful person, a human being. Aww. You won't have to worry about him. He's going to work. He's a great mm-hmm. student. He's got talent and this, that. And apparently my dad was just in tears the entire <gasps> weekend and just like so affected. And I had already booked my first professional job before graduating. So he knew that like I was on the right path mm-hmm. and things were happening. And then my career is like progressively grown, and he's just like, oh, oh, okay, oh, okay, I get it now. I yeah, get it. I get it. And that was part one of my interview with Caroline and Jay. Now, one of the things that I loved most about this this first part was when they talked about leadership, and that is something that doesn't really get talked about. That's not something that you go to class for, that you learn in voice lessons or acting class or in training. That's something that is a part of, of who you are. And when you're the, the lead, when you're maybe the title role, if you're in that kind of position, there also comes with it. All eyes are on you. There's a certain level of expectation, not only for you to perform your role, exquisitely, of course, but there's an unspoken a need, an unspoken hope from the rest of the cast that you will kind of lead the way, that you will be the leader, not only from an acting standpoint, but also from a morale standpoint, from your sense of professionalism. And that is something that is is so key because Constantly, whenever I've done new shows, there's always someone that is either 
new to theater that is maybe that's their first professional contract. And then there's, of course, those that are in the middle. Some have been there five years, some 20, some 30 or 40. So there's always various levels of experience and maturity as a performer. Just recently, whenever I did Bridges, the youngest performer was actually still in college. And one performer was still in high school. So you you, you never know the, the age, the level of experience that you're going to get with a particular show. And for me, the best example of this leadership came whenever I did my very first national tour, and that was The Addams Family. And Douglas Sills of Scarlet Pimpernel fame and, and various others, but that was the role that really launched him as, as a Broadway star. He was our Gomez, and from day one, he was always very gregarious and getting to know everyone, myself included. And when it came to outings, especially when once we got out on the road, when it came to things to do maybe either you know, on days off or after the show, you know, everyone is meeting here to, to go out to eat after the show. He was a leader, not only in just kind of organizing the cast, but also in Every single night, he was on it, he was on his mark, and he set the bar for all of us to rise to that level at every show. And he did the same offstage as well, a sense of professionalism, a sense of carrying yourself. Now, it wasn't all just serious and by the book. No, he was he was absolutely fun to work with on stage and to be with offstage. He was very personable and charming, and I think... He was this well-rounded, all-around great person and great performer that was someone that I, being in my very first national tour, looked up to and wanted to to emulate and, and take on some of that energy that he gave constantly. And so I think it's important for all of us to realize that that is a wonderful thing to carry into a show, especially when we're the lead. And so in part two of my conversation with Caroline and Jay, they will talk about how to deal with naysayers, how to deal with those who maybe aren't as supportive. And they talk a little bit more about shows that they've been in and, and other experiences. It's a, it's, it's a great continuation of our conversation. Now I want to talk about season three, what to expect going forward. The biggest change is that episodes will be coming out on Wednesdays instead of Mondays. That will just, it's more out of necessity for my schedule, so that's when episodes will be coming out on Wednesdays. Something else that will be happening on Fridays is what I like to call Final Five Fridays. Alliteration. I know, I'm a sucker for it. I can't help it. Final Five Friday is basically a new segment that I'm adding to the podcast this year, and it's five set questions that I will be asking every guest. However, what's remarkable is how differently each guest answers them, whether they're an actor, a director, a writer. Each of those parts of the entertainment industry that, they, that they're in influence and play a big role in how they answer these questions. So stay tuned every Friday for the final five questions. At the end of every month, 
there will be a solo episode. You'll be getting just me talking about life aboard the cruise ship. I'll also be answering listener questions. Now, this is very important because I want to now include you in my episodes. I want to hear from you. So please email me at whyillnevermakeit at gmail.com or you can go to the website winmepodcast.com and contact me there. And you can pose questions. You can leave comments. Maybe you loved something that you heard in an episode. Maybe you didn't like. You disagree with it. I want to hear from you and what you want to talk about. Because once a month, at the end of every month, I'll sit down and I'll read out these questions, read out these comments. And you, too, can hear from other people that listen to this podcast. And we can all grow and learn together as a community. Again, that email is why I'll never make it at gmail.com or go to the website winmepodcast.com and go to the contact section. And lastly, I want to address two points. One is because I'm going to be on a cruise ship for most of this season, Instagram is going to be the best way to follow and keep up with me. You can also comment and like and, and direct message me from there as well. But Instagram is going to be the main source and the main social media outlet that I will be using. Uh, since internet access is somewhat limited on a ship, I figured it's best to stick with one. And uh, Instagram is the best way to find me, and that's at Podcast. Why I'll Never Make It is ultimately a listener-supported podcast. I'm here for you. I'm certainly learning a lot from every guest that comes on, as I know that you are, and those of you who have commented and reached out to me about what you liked and what you get from it and the inspiration and motivation that it gives you. And to keep that going, I need your support. And so if you have a dollar or more, that you would like to contribute and donate to the furthering of this podcast, any amount would be greatly appreciated. And you can go to donate.winmepodcast.com. Again, welcome to Season 3, and I can't wait to share the wonderful conversations that I've had with people over the last few months as I get to share those moments with you. And remember... The reasons for not making it may be countless and arbitrary, but the reasons to keep going are numerous and far more rewarding. I'm Patrick Oliver-Jones. I'll see you next time on Why I'll Never Make It. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 